Hello, everyone. I'm Blaine Gilmer. Welcome into the SEC Morning Report on Southeastern 14. And guys, there are so many games going on this weekend. It is a both in the conference and out of the conference. It is a wonderful weekend of football. Like I said, from 12 o'clock all the way down through the evening hours, you're going to have lots of games that you're going to want to watch and, and make sure that you're uh, glued to the television, seeing what's going on today. We're going to go over the biggest questions for each team, also keys to victory, things like that. But guys, while you're in the middle of all those games, sometimes you just may want a little bit of a, of a snack, something to fuel you up, and Chomps is who you need to go with. The SEC Morning Report is presented by Chomps. Guys, it is a family-owned and operated business that – provides you with healthy snacks, three different kinds of proteins, nine different flavors. Each one of these sticks has nine to 10 grams of pro protein is about 60 to 100 calories. So it can be something quick that you can eat. Keep watching the game. Don't have to worry about uh, preparing something. It'll fill you up and, uh, you know, hey, then you can you can get something later when it comes to the evening. But a nice snack here, gluten-free. Uh, it's keto certified and paleo certified. So Chomps is who you need to check out, and we would greatly appreciate that. You can use the link in the description, and that will get you covered with a little bit of a discount there on Chomps. So that's uh, that's who brings you this content here. And then also, guys, if you want to partner with us doing advertising, then check out um, via caroline.smith at Southeastern 14. She can hook you up with all that info. Now, guys, let's get into this slate of games and talk about the main questions for each SEC team here. A lot of night games on this one, but we'll start off with some of the early ones here. Uh, UK and Vanderbilt, this spread has gone down actually to 12 and a half from when we created this uh, graphic. It is now uh, started out about 13 and a half. Now it's down to 12 and a half. Kentucky traveling to Vanderbilt. Uh, over under was 50 and a half at one point. Now it's a 12 o'clock kick, SEC network. The biggest question here is we know that Kentucky is better on both of the lines of scrimmage than Vanderbilt. We know that Vanderbilt has a, a hard time stopping the run. The question for Vanderbilt is, will they be able to stop Ray Davis, their former teammate? Uh, does emotion come into play and they kind of turn in a, a, an inspired performance there when it comes to stopping the run because they that's been their Achilles heel this year. They haven't been able to do so. And then defensively, when they do stop the run, they'll have bust on the back end. And that UNLV game was an absolute disaster. So that defense is going to have to play much, much better against a Kentucky offense with Devin Leary, uh, Dane Key, Tavion Robinson, Barry and Brown, and then, of course, Ray Davis on the ground. I think Kentucky needs to be able to start fast in this one, prove that they can do it. Uh, not only on the road, but in a SEC matchup and just get going quickly because we know this Kentucky offense executes when it comes uh, to the second half. They, they've been playing a lot better. Devin Leary has been clicking later in games, but need to start it off quickly. Uh, so that, I think that's the key for Kentucky establishing that run with Ray Davis, getting things going uh, on that side of the football and then being able to not give up some chunk plays 
to Vanderbilt on the back end because they do have talented receivers in Will Shepard and Jaden McGowan. We know what happened last year. Uh, Vanderbilt won this game. Uh, so, you know, going on the road, SEC game, regardless if it's Vanderbilt or not, Mark Stoops is going to need to see his team play clean. Uh, and, you know, they've got, injure, they've got a couple injuries, but nothing too serious. Ever, all the main players are there except Kenneth Horsey. Um, you know, he's still recovering from that knee injury. You probably won't see him until the Florida game for Kentucky. But for Kentucky, just can you start fast on the road with Vandy? And Vandy, can you stop the run? Those are the big questions coming in to that game right there. Then another 12 o'clock game, which I'm surprised this one was not a later game. Auburn going on the road to Texas A&M. Uh, Auburn, the big question for them kind of was health and depth coming into this, but the good news seems to be that guys um, are trending towards playing. You got uh, uh, Kaufman at safety, Donovan Kaufman at safety that was in concussion protocol. He looks to be good to go. Nehemiah Pritchett looks to be practicing and, and getting ready to go for the first time this year at corner. So that should help a lot in that secondary against a talented wide receiving core for Texas A&M. So that would be, that would be huge. Um, they've Jalen McLeod is, is practicing. Uh, they also have Cam Stutz and Isaiah Miller that are practicing. I'm not sure if any of these guys are hundred percent, but they are in there participating, practicing. So that is good news for Auburn on that front in terms of the injuries on the field. Does Auburn get quality and consistent play out of Peyton Thorne? He had his best game against Sanford, did throw two picks. One of those was not his fault, but, did get some explosive plays down the field, showed off his athleticism as well, played a little bit more of a role in that game, not as much switching in and out with Robbie Ashford, which is something that Hugh Free said would come into play after that Cal game. I don't think he was uh, happy with how they were able to – I don't think he was happy with how they were switching the quarterbacks in and out. So that was that was part of it there that, that they wanted to make sure that they got some, some – flow going in that offense now Peyton Thorne is going to have to go against a talented front seven for Texas A&M but there are some questions in the secondary and that's my my biggest question and my key to victory for Texas A&M I think they're more talented across the board when it comes to the skill positions on offense when it comes to the defensive front against Auburn's offensive offensive line I think Texas A&M has the advantages everywhere across the board except in the secondary. I, I do like Auburn's secondary better than Texas A&M's right now. Can Texas A&M eliminate the bust that they had against Miami? Can they tackle better in space? Those are the big questions there for those two teams. This spread has actually, since making this graphic, has climbed to minus eight in favor of Texas A&M. You'll find this game on ESPN. So, does Auburn get quality quarterback play out of Peyton Thorne? Can they hit some explosives? Javarius Johnson uh, is a guy who, you know, was a little banged up after the Sanford game. He's trending toward towards playing. Of course, they've got Jay Fair and, and Rivaldo Fairweather, a bunch of different weapons over there. They need to see if they can get Jarquez Hunter going as well. 11 carries in each of his first two performances, only a high of 53 yards uh, against Cal. So, you know, they need to be able to get get him going so they can have real play action threat down the field, especially against this Texas A&M uh, defense. Twelfth man, uh, Kyle Field, 
should be a, a rocking environment. Um, even in a even in an early kickoff, eleven a.m. Central Time kickoff over there in Texas time. So I, I think we need to see you know Connor Wigman and those receivers get going early for A and M, and also that secondary does it does it provide uh, does it does it provide a little bit better, more quality play than they did against Miami? That will be absolutely huge in this one. UTSA, UT San Antonio at Tennessee. This game had a lot more uh, excitement maybe about it earlier in the, in the year. UTSA 11-3 and three last year. They're back-to-back Conference USA champions, so everybody was kind of saying, okay, this is one that could be a little bit sneaky, but they haven't played up to their standard this year. Frank Harris is dealing with a turf toe, so he's day-to-day. We don't know. He's a quarterback that's been there for, uh, you know, he's been there as long as Stetson Minute was at Georgia, okay? He's been six or seven years going on in that program now, so it's uh, – Jeff Trailer has a really good football team that's used to winning, but they've had a rough start. They lost a, a heartbreaker at Houston earlier this year. Houston, pretty decent football team. Uh, they lost 17-14. They beat Texas State the, the week after Texas State, who went into Baylor and upset them with T.J. Finley, the former quarterback at LSU. And then uh, they lost to Army last week without Frank Harris. Uh, listen, they gave up. A lot of rushing yards to Army. I believe it was it was close to 300 yards rushing that they gave up. And Tennessee, that's what they need to be able to do. Can they run the football? They weren't able to run the football effectively against Florida. Uh, that takes this this Tennessee offense out of its rhythm. It really helps Joe Milton to have that have that running game, have people having to come up, commit to the box, and then you get those shots not only intermediate but the shots down the field as well so tennessee 21 point favorite four o'clock kickoff eastern time on the sec network the over under is 58 and a half i just want to see joe milton play with confidence let's shake off all of that all of that negativity that comes with the the trip down to to gainesville in the swamp there you're going to get a home crowd i'm going to get a good kickoff uh time here so be able to run the football Take care of take care of Joe Milton in the pockets of pass protection wise, and then Joe just go out there and and let's show some accuracy, okay, and, and deliver the football with confidence because if they can get that running game going early, we all know what this Tennessee offense is capable of. Um, if Frank Harris does not play in this one, who's ultra talented, experienced leader for UTSA, then I definitely think Tennessee will cover in this one. If Frank Harris does play, they may be able to slow it down enough to backdoor cover or something like that. But Tennessee should be able to run the football in this game, and that gives me great confidence in them. Did skip out of order for one, but this game is, in my opinion, the game of the week. Ole Miss at Alabama. This is a matchup of the kind of mentor versus mentee. We all know Nick Saban, Lane Kiffin, uh, how Lane Kiffin's career was uh, rejuvenated, revitalized as being the offensive coordinator in Alabama, but he also revolutionized Alabama's offensive system and the way they would do things going forward. And 
you know, this is an interesting relationship because we've talked about it, how everybody else can say stuff about Alabama, make fun about Alabama, and Lane Kiffin will kind of come to their defense. But when it comes this week where Old Miss and Alabama are playing each other in the tenure of Lane Kiffin, Lane Kiffin has a lot of fun on social media, uh, had his X account or his Twitter account from his dog Juice Kiff- Kiffin tweeting out, hey, Alabama has 18 five-stars and Ole Miss only has one. How is dad going to beat grandpa this weekend? And he retweets it and says, hey, son, if you're scared, stay at home. This isn't an environment for puppy dogs and also puts out uh, you know, a tag in there to Bryant-Denny Stadium, the Alabama Stadium account on X, formerly known as Twitter. He's having a lot of fun. He's tweeting. Taylor Swift songs crumbling, castles crumbling, talking about is the dynasty coming down for Alabama. So Lane Kiffin is having a lot of fun with this one, but he needs to be able to take care of business on the field. Alabama still a six-and-a-half-point favorite in Vegas's eyes, even with all the troubles that they had in that USF game. My question is, can Alabama score with Ole Miss? Because I think Ole Miss is going to get some points. They've got Caden Priestcorn, who is practicing, getting first-team reps, uh, is out there doing his thing, albeit in a non-contact jersey. Trey Harris uh, wasn't in the last practice availability that was seen out there. He wasn't actually going through the reps, but uh, did have a non, non-contact non jersey on, was in full pads, but wasn't doing as much as Priestcorn was. But Zachary Franklin, we talked about uh, UTSA, well, he was at – UTSA uh, last you know for four years and had 1100 yards receiving last year had a little bit of a scope on his knee uh, back in August they said it would take six weeks at the beginning of August well he should be ready to go he was out there he was not in a non-contact jersey so that could be a huge addition for Ole Miss can Quinshaw Judkins get going we know Jackson Dart is playing at elite level I think you're definitely going to see Ole Miss score 28 points in this game. Can Alabama match it? Can Alabama can Alabama get some good production out of this offense that has been kind of just not not function, not hitting in on all cylinders with the quarterback play? Jalen Milrow stared stared down a couple of receivers in that Texas game, locked on people. They picked him off. Will he make better decisions? But my big question for Alabama is. If you want to be able to score with Ole Miss, if you're Nick Saban, allow Tommy Reese to call this game in a similar fashion to a 2020 Notre Dame game when he had Ian Book at quarterback. I put out a tweet yesterday with uh, some video of quarterback design runs, uh, some some play-action pass where he got Ian Book out on the perimeter, gave him a run-pass option on those play-action passes. Uh, and also gave him just some simple one-two reads with a mobile quarterback. Tommy Reese is used to being able to call a game like that with a mobile quarterback, but they have to tailor this offense to Jalen Milrow. If he's going to be the guy, you have got to get some things going like more zone read, uh, zone bluff with a wrapper going around a lead block for him, being able to run some power read, some sprint out passes where you cut the field in half, give him the option to run some bootleg uh, from under center, you know, off of off of outside zone, things of those na- that nature. Alabama needs to trim this thing down. Give Jalen Milrow say, okay, one, two, go is kind of your progression on this. Not ask him to make full field reads, 
play to his strengths. If they do that, I think you could see this Alabama offense be very productive. But I'm not so sure that they're going to be able to make that much of a change offensively this quickly. There's also some off-the-field stuff going on with Milrow. That was more of a suspension against USF than it was anything else. Who knows if there's family stuff going on involved, bad, bad attitude, that kind of stuff. But he showed leadership in the USF game came along, did what he needed to do. Saban knows he's the best option. They need to get better offensive line play. Pete Golding knows this Alabama team inside and out personnel-wise. He knows their strengths. Uh, He knows their weaknesses. Even the guys that are being recruited uh, and were freshmen this year, like Caden Proctor, Pete Golden knows all these strengths and weaknesses. He was involved in in all these staff meetings where he knows, okay, what these guys and who they were taking and why and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of storylines there with Lane Kiffin, Nick Saban, Pete Golding going back to to Alabama. So you know that there's going to be a lot of excitement in this one. Get your popcorn ready because Ole Miss goes to Alabama. Uh, Over there to Tuscaloosa, 3.30 CBS, Gary Danielson won't be on the call, which is a big kind of – I don't know how to feel about that. I'm kind of happy. I'm kind of sad, conflicted about that one there. But keys to victory for Ole Miss – If they can get that running game going early and distribute the ball to some of those playmakers like Trey Harris, like Caden Prescorn, if Trey Harris plays, uh, you know, make sure that that you get Zachary Franklin involved early. Let him get those jitters out of the way. But they've got a lot of – I like – I trust their quarterback play more with Jackson Dart. Uh, and, you know, I just think that if they can avoid bust on the back end of their secondary, which they did have a couple against against Tulane, and, and they also uh, gave up a couple things, I think, against, you know, 400-something yards of offense to Georgia Tech. So they've got to tighten it up defensively. But Pete Golden knows uh, that offensive system that Nick Saban writes, likes to run as much as well as anybody. He practiced against it every day for the last several years. So I think he's the victory for Ole Miss. Can you get a running game going early? Can you avoid bust in the secondary against Alabama, not give Jalen Milrow any layups? And then for Alabama, will you get better offensive line play, be able to run the football against Old Miss's front, and can you tailor the offense to Jalen Milrow's strength? So I think those are the keys to victory for each of those. 7 o'clock, Arkansas at LSU. LSU, 17.5-point favorite. Uh, when we made this graphic as of a day or so ago, that line has probably changed just a little bit. I've seen it get up to 18, uh, 19 in some places. Um, 7 o'clock Eastern, so this will be a 6 o'clock kickoff for LSU on ESPN at home, these teams come in with momentum and going in opposite directions here. Uh, Arkansas, the big question is, will Rocket Sanders play? Will he be available? Uh, he's been trying to go, trying to move around without him. They've been a little bit stale offensively. The offensive line hasn't looked as good when you don't have that back out there making people making people miss, breaking tackles. Um, can A.J. Green, Rashad DeBinion, um, can they – can they make something happen? Can they help out KJ Jefferson? KJ Jefferson, uh, you know, needs to be able to distribute the ball effectively to his receivers, and those receivers are going to have to find ways to to create separation. It's been every throw has been kind of in tight windows for Arkansas. 
Isaiah Satagna has been really good on special teams. Can he make a play in this one? But going on the road, you have to be able to run the football to take the crowd out of it. Arkansas just hasn't had great offensive line play. They haven't been able to protect K.J. Jefferson and haven't ran the football the way they wanted to. Definitely against BYU, they weren't able to get the offensive line to produce the way they wanted to. Had a couple injuries uh, coming out of that one you know, on the last drive, but everything, everybody looks to be healthy according to Sam Pittman. The biggest question is, can they get Rocket Sanders on the field? Is he going to be able to play in this one? I think that's still uh, undetermined at this point as we as we record this. LSU, uh, just hey, can you can you continue to be that team that you showed up against Mississippi State? I mean, because when they were confident, when Jane Daniels they allowed Jane Daniels to push the ball down the field to Malik Neighbors, take those shots deep and then be able to get a little bit of a running game going with Logan Diggs. I think that's the biggest question for LSU still. The the one question that remains is can they consistently get a running game going outside of Jaden Daniels' legs? Because Jaden Daniels does so much for this team in terms of it's great that he can run and things like that, but eventually you need to be able to get consistent run production out of somebody other than your quarterback. So can that offensive line uh, create opportunities for Logan Diggs, for uh, Armani Goodwin, all of these guys that are running backs there for LSU to get a little head of steam, get a, get some get some running room early because if they can run the ball effectively at all, then it just makes that plethora of wide receivers they have over there plus mason taylor at tight end so much more dangerous of course they have malik neighbors and brian thomas mason taylor at tight end they've got aaron anderson over there that's doing things not only on special teams but also at receiver as well kyron lacy so the, the weapons are endless over there at receiver for Jaden daniels can they get steady run production i think that's something to watch for in this game lsu uh, is more talented along the offensive and defensive fronts. Um, so I expect them to dominate this one. And, and with Mason Smith, Makai Wingo, Harold Perkins, Savion Jones, I mean, Deshaun Womack, I think it's going to be hard sledding for Arkansas to get any offense going. So my question there is, can Arkansas find ways to be creative and you know get their playmakers in space? And for LSU, can they just consistently come out and dominate up front like they did against Mississippi State and and keep doing that because they have the elite talent to do it and that means on the offensive line providing running opportunities for other people than Jaden Daniels all right now let's talk about another night game here in the SEC Mississippi State Traveling to South Carolina, this one was four and a half when we made this graphic. Now it has grown to six and a half spread in favor of South Carolina. 7.30 kickoff, you know the the white towels and sandstorm are going to be rocking there in Williams-Brice Stadium. My question is, who finds balance in this offense in, for either team? Because Mississippi State has been more run-oriented, haven't been able to you know, find that, that, that passing game with – Kevin Barbe as the offensive coordinator, that seems a little bit perplexing. Will, Will Rogers and as much experience and talent as he has as a quarterback in the SEC. But the big thing here is, are they able to get 
Tulu Griffin, Justin Robinson, Creed Whitmore. I mean, can they find ways to get them the football? Easy throws, let them make plays in space. They're just not really being utilized. I know that they love the the running game with Woody Marks, with Davis, with with Price over there. But my goodness, you got to be able to have some balance and be able to, um, you know, get people out of the box there for that running game to be effective. And then South Carolina, it's the exact opposite. Can they provide a running game to help out Spencer Rattler? Spencer Rattler has been doing everything. Maybe you could argue the single most valuable player to a college football team is Spencer Rattler to South Carolina. Tremendous start last week against Georgia. But once Georgia knew, hey, we don't have to worry about the run at all, they were able to pin their ears back, come after him, create some pressure, uh, you know, force Spencer Rattler to, to hurry a little bit. And nobody, no quarterback, I don't care who it is, uh, is able to have success when the defense knows what's coming and they're able to just pin their ears back and come after you uh, very, very hard. So I think Spencer Rattler, you know, he he's – reportedly going to get some help at receiver with with Nicholas Harbor. They're, 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 Shane Beamer says, hey, we need to play him more. We need to find ways to get him in there. Um, and he's a tre- tremendous, ultra-talented player. Uh, of course, they got Trey Knox, who has a good rapport over there with Spencer Rattler. Amraheem Brown supposed to come back from his ankle injury this week, so they should be getting a few weapons back, even with Juice Wells being out with the foot injury. Lots of talk about Mario Anderson getting more carries at running back. So we'll see what happens there. But if they can't provide a a running game to complement what Spencer Rattler and company are doing uh, over there, throwing the ball-wise, then I I don't know that this Zach Arnett defense won't just say, hey, let's load up the box and let's try to hope we we hold up on the the back end. But South Carolina is going to have to protect as well. They lost Marquis Anderson um, for the year to knee surgery, uh, a freshman offensive lineman that, hey, listen, they're uh, you know they're struggling up front. So I wouldn't be surprised to see on the road Zach Arnett try to bring pressure, utilize those those linebackers that he has um, that are that are leaders in Jet Johnson and Nate Watson, and then we'll see we'll see who finds balance first. But I think that's the key to the game: who can create balance in their offense. Uh, in this one because I think both defenses are going to play play pretty well. Georgia, UAB uh, started at 40. As you see here, is a 40-point spread, 7.30 game. Georgia gets a night game, which is rare uh, for the Bulldogs. They haven't had – I don't think they had a night game all last year. Uh, so, 7.30 start, you know, Sanford Stadium will be rocking. It'll be a good environment. Um, but I think the spread has grown to 42, 42 and a half. That's a lot of points, uh, especially with a Georgia team who hasn't started games fast. If Georgia, you know, opens up the game with long drives and doesn't capitalize in the red zone, there's zero shot that they cover it, okay? This is a UAB team that's going to throw it around. They're going to throw it 60-plus percent of the time. And Georgia, you know, I think they'll be able to get – good pass rush that play well in the secondary, but it's all about Georgia's offense and how they start. Okay. Are they able to come out one run the football consistently? Amaris Mims is out at right tackle. So they're going to have to shuffle the offensive line around. Austin Blasky looks to be coming back from injury. They're going to, you know, we'll see where they end up playing Xavier trust. He's been at right tackle after Mims went down. So we'll see what that lineup looks like across the front five, but 
can they run the football and then take some shots early? It seems like all the play-action shots really came in the second half. Let Carson Beck just take the training wheels off completely and let him go play. I mean, just let him sling this thing out there and don't worry so much. I mean, yes, I know you don't want to turn the ball over. You want to value the football, but eventually you got to go out and and just play, uh, not, not come out and, and worry about trying to – uh, protect anything, something like that. I want to see Georgia start fast and and just take care of business in this one as they absolutely should. So that that 40, 42 and a half now that it's up to, uh, that's, a, that's a little rich for my blood in terms of the points, but Georgia obviously should dominate uh, this, this UAB team, of course. Another cupcake game, UNC Charlotte, Florida. The only question you got for Florida is, uh, can you avoid the the big win hangover after beating Tennessee last week? This is a Charlotte team that you should beat up on. Uh, continue to run the football well. Just make sure that you're not not looking ahead, like not looking past anybody, because you know SEC play is in full swing now. They've already had a big win against Tennessee. Now they're going to be facing on the road at Kentucky. So you want to stay healthy in this one. Uh, try to get it over with. You know, shorten that game, being able to run the football, finish drives, uh, you know, get a big lead going into that second half and play some of those, play some of those freshmen, stay healthy for SEC play. I think that is a a big deal there. And then Memphis versus Missouri in St. Louis. This game is in St. Louis. So notice I didn't put at Missouri. It's uh, Missouri is a six point favorite. The question here is. Is Brady Cook healthy day-to-day with a knee injury? So, you know, he was hobbled a little bit on that last drive against Kansas State. Uh, Can they win after a big win? How does Mizzou handle success? This is a Memphis team that went, you know, toe-to-toe with Navy, gave up a bunch of rushing yards. They should be able to get uh, Schrader and Pete going in the running game. So, Hopefully for Missouri that 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 knee is good enough. Uh, Brady Cook certainly a tough son of a gun, so hopefully he's able to go. They continue to to distribute the ball to lose a burden, get Theo Wees going a little bit. I think Missouri should win this game comfortably with that environment in St. Louis. I really like um, the opportunity they have there in the dome, so I think they should win it comfortably. But when it comes down to it, you have to be able to come back after a big win uh, and show some maturity. And this, if there's one thing about this Missouri team, they you can say the maturity is there because they are a old team in terms of they have a ton of seniors, they had a ton of returning starters on that defense. I don't think Missouri is going to be able to, you know, really get things going uh, in terms of, in terms of offensively. I think that defense will, will stymie. Uh, Memphis a little bit, but the main player that they're going to have to watch is Blake Watson, uh, 40 carries on the year and 15 receptions. He's a running back, a senior out of Queens, New York, that does everything for Memphis. Uh, you know, he has almost 300 yards rushing, has over uh, 130 yards receiving, so he does a lot, gets a lot of touches. Uh, obviously, I think Eli Drinkwitz, um, and company will be keying in on him. Excited to see that game. But, guys, that is our keys to victory and our biggest questions for every SEC team in week four. If you love this content, make sure you 
like, subscribe, turn on notifications, tell your friends about it, put your comments in here, let us know what you think. Uh, remember, we're presented by Chomps. You can check out the link in the description to get your 15% discount code on those they're delicious i got a, a a couple samples of them sent to me it's great stuff so make sure you're checking them out and if you want to partner with us remember you can hit up caroline.smith at southeastern 14 for everyone at southeastern 14 i am blaine gilmer thank you for so much for tuning in and we'll catch you guys next time to talk more sec football we'll be here with jake's takes on Friday, and we'll have a live reaction show Saturday night. So make sure, like I said, like, subscribe, turn on notifications. We'll catch you guys next time. Talk more SEC football right here on Southeastern 14. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.